Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Today we're continuing our message series, asking for a friend with our most popular question that has been asked so far. Is the vaccine the beginning stages of the mark of the beast? And so we're going to be taking a dive into the scriptures. I'm going to share with you uh, what my conclusions are. We're going to go into the Bible. That matters more than anything else. And in doing so, I want to share a few ideas that we have to hit on in order to kind of unwrap that first. Uh, Let's talk about the mark of the beast. Let's talk about what that is and the the beast, the tribulation period. I'm just going to walk down through, kind of lay that out before I really get into that full question. So first of all, who is the beast. Revelation chapter 13 describes a beast coming up from out of the sea. It talks about a dragon. The, the beast is the antichrist and the dragon uh, would be Satan. And so we see that this beast uh, is described very vividly, ten, uh, 10 horns, seven heads, 10 crowns on its horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. Um, John says, John the Revelator in uh, John chap- uh, Revelation chapter 13 says um, that the beast that he saw resembled a leopard but had feet like a, a bear and a mouth that of a lion. In fact, if you think about where you've heard some of this other kind of picture, you can go back to Daniel, think about the statue, uh, the vision, the clay feet, the bronze, the silver, you know, all the, these different things. In Revelation, the term beast refers to the, to the end times empire, uh, the seven heads and 10 horns indicate that the beast will be a coalition of nations that rise to power and rule under, uh, rule the earth, subdue the earth under Satan's uh, control. There are also references to the beast in the scriptures that refer to a man. That man would be someone who rises into power, a political leader as the head of that empire. And we see in uh, Revelation chapter 13, verse 3, that at some point, the beast will receive a mortal head wound and be healed of it. And he'll exercise, according to verses 7 and 8, authority over the whole world and demand worship. So these are the these end times, powerful, vivid Im- imagery in the book of Revelation. And... Uh, the Bible says that he'll wage war against God's people. He'll prevail uh, against them for a time. We'll see that in Daniel chapter 7, verse 21, and the Revelation chapter 13, verse 7. The beast's time is limited. It's limited, it's short, according to Revelation 13, 5, and then uh, verse 25 in Daniel 7, he'll only be uh, permitted absolute authority for about half of the great uh, tribulation period or 42 months. You see the 42 months repeated over over again. There's two 42-month periods. 42 plus 42 is what? 84 divided by 12 is seven. So the great revelation period will be a a seven-year period. The Antichrist is the one who will oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worship so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. He's, take a look at Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two and verse three, and see that this man is doomed uh, to destruction. In Daniel's vision, the Antichrist is the little horn 
that rises from the head of the terrifying beast. And if you're tracking along in notes, try and hit these verses. It'll help you a little bit. I don't have time to get down into all of them, but you can see that in Daniel chapter 7, verse 8. And then we understand that when the Lord returns in judgment, he'll defeat the beast and destroy his empire. That's uh, Revelation 19, verse 19 and 20. In Daniel 7 and 11. And that's why a lot of times I like to say, yeah, when people talk about Jesus as a man of peace and that he was a pacifist, yes, Jesus laid down his life for us. But then the book of Revelation says that when he returns, he's returning more like a William Wallace, more like an MMA fighter. He's got King of Kings and Lord of Lords on his thigh and vesture. May joke around every now and then say that he's coming back ticked off and tatted up, you know. Uh, he's declaring who he is. Let me tell you, uh, Carmen, the great singer, said that he read the end of the book and he knows who wins, and that's the truth. That's the truth. Jesus sets absolutely everything right. And then we learn that the, the beast will be cast alive into the lake of fire. The identity of the individual who will uh, become the beast of Revelation is not, is not known. There may be somebody that says they know who it is. I'm telling you, every time we elect a president, there's somebody saying that that president is the Antichrist, right? And whenever the IRS agent shows up to your house, you think he's the Antichrist as well. And you know, you get pulled over or there's some issue you're facing, but there, there is an Antichrist spirit actually in this age right now, you can feel it. You, you can feel it. But there is a, a man that will embody this According to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7, this man, his identity will be revealed only when God removes the restraining influence of the Holy Spirit from the earth. So this is something I just want you to know up front as we're talking about this. Let me tell you, this will be a terrible, terrible time. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like you think you're having it bad right now. On your worst day will be the best day of the great tribulation period. This ought to cause the believer, the mother and father, the, the person that's placed their trust in Jesus to have great concern in their heart for their neighbor, for their children, for their world, and also for ourselves. Because I know this, is that I wanna be ready for Jesus. You know what, and maybe there's not enough of this in the church. We like to do a lot of the, in fact, let me just say this, when I got to speak, which was a wonderful privilege to our students this week. It was awesome. And they, you know, it, it, it's nice for us to have good feel good messages. And you know what, we're gonna do them because if everything is, if everything is hard, then where, where's the good? And you know what, the gospel is called the good news for a reason. So we spend a lot of time in the good news, but the reason it's called the good news is because there is bad news to be had. And listen, I want to be saved. I want to be kept by Jesus. I do not want to miss heaven. I do not want to fail to worship God. When he comes for me, I want to be ready. Is there anybody in the house today that says, Pastor, I want to be ready? Now, during the tribulation, there will be people that'll be saved. It'll be a very difficult time because as I mentioned, the influence of the Holy Spirit will be constrained on the earth. And so Revelation chapter seven, verse 14 tells us this, that there are people who will be saved during the tribulation period. Now don't say, well, you know what? I'll wait until I get to that moment. Then, you know, I'll live how I want. And then at that point, I'll place my trust in Jesus. This is the kind of thinking that I had when I was 16 years old that I didn't like to, you know, it wasn't mandatory that you wore a seatbelt in, let's see, 16, it would have been uh, 1989. I had to do the math there, right? It, I didn't want to wear it. I, th I would think, I would think, um, 
I'll wait until just before I get in an accident and then I'll put on the seatbelt. It's crazy talk, isn't it? My, my brain wasn't completely formed. That, that's why your insurance rates go down at age 25 because at age 16, your brain's not working too good. It, it, it's wrong to think that I'm going to sow my wild oats. I'm going to live how I want to live. And at some point in the future, I'll place my trust in Jesus. Pathway Church, today is the day of salvation. And we need salvation. The best that the world, let me tell you, the best that the world has, if you're living your best life right now, this is as good as it possibly will get for you. And everything else is downhill from there. But in Jesus Christ, on our best day, it's about the worst it's ever going to get for us. Because God has a home for us in heaven. And he's going to wipe away the tears from our eyes and we're going to worship him. Sickness will be gone. Disease will be, will be gone. Tyranny will be gone. Frustration will be gone. Brokenness will be gone. We'll be made whole in Jesus. People will be saved. The majority of the people that are saved during the tribulation period will go on to be martyrs. They'll be killed for their faith. Remember in... Um, remember... Al-Qaeda lining up all of the Christian, the, the Christian Arabs in orange jumpsuits on the seashore. Do you remember that? And if they denounced Christ, then they would live. And if not, they would die. And they didn't denounce Christ. And then they, the last words that were on their mouth were Jesus. And all of those men were martyred right there on that seashore. This is what an altar call looks like during the great tribulation day. And let me just tell the truth. Let me just get in your business just for a second. You know what? I will give an invitation for salvation. I will watch people responding with their hearts before their hands are ever raised. Their hands go up and it's like, it's like one of these things. With every head bow, every eyes closed. It's very personal. We don't want to embarrass anybody. You know, but if you want to be saved, just raise your hand. Okay, now come to the altar. And 10% of the people that raise their hand, come. if you can't walk to the altar now, how in the world are you going to make that altar call in the great tribulation period? And I don't want to beat you up, but I'm just saying, you know what? The world doesn't need some passive, weak, timid Christianity. Come on, men of God, women of God, rise up and be who God has called you to be. And if you need forgiveness, if you need salvation, listen, if somebody, you're drowning and someone throws you a life preserver. Don't passively swim over there if nobody is looking. No, you're drowning. You're dying. We need Jesus today. So I would just challenge you, be quick to repent. Repent every Sunday. If you have to ride this altar all the way to heaven, if you're battling with addictions, be battling it every day of your life, trusting and holding on to the hand of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm, I'm game for that, but I also know that the same God that'll persist with you as you struggle is the same God that can deliver you, can take the taste of alcohol, take the taste of, of drugs and abuse right out of your body. That great tribulation period is not going to be an easy period for people who want to place their trust in Jesus. Many people will be killed by earthquakes, war, pestilence. Other people will be uh, uh, persecuted by the Antichrist because they will refuse to worship um, the Antichrist or the dragon or receive the mark of the beast according to Revelation chapter 13, 15. Go and look at it for yourself. And and let me just say, you either believe this book or you don't. And you know, there's other issues that we're dealing with here that in 2021, there is a compromised church. There is an apostate church 
in the world today that carves out whatever passage we don't like and we don't, maybe we don't carve it out, but we just don't preach about it because we're gonna offend somebody or I don't wanna, I don't like this part. We treat this book as if it's a buffet, picking and choosing what we like. That's not what the gospel is. You either love Jesus all the way or you don't. You know, if you think about it, you know, if you can follow Jesus 99% of the time, but you don't follow him 1% of the time, well, that, anybody can do that because just the 1% of the time, the things that you don't like, you choose not to follow. Listen, Jesus is Lord of all or not at all. If he's Lord of your life, then consecrate your life. Stop, Pathway Church, let, let, let me just tell you, stop sinning. Stop sinning, follow Jesus, stop following yourself, stop following the God of this age, stop following this world, stop following pop cultural figures. They don't, just because they have a star on Hollywood walk doesn't make them an expert. They don't, they don't know. No, you know who knows? Jesus knows. He knows. Let's go ahead and jump in here to the scriptures, okay? I just wanted to get, kind of give that little foundation about the tribulation and then I'm gonna come back and talk about that just a little bit more. Revelation chapter 13 uh, verse 11, and then we're going to jump down to verse 15. This is talking about the beast and the dragon. Then I saw another beast come up out of the earth. He had two horns like those of a lamb, but he spoke with the voice of a dragon. Verse 15, he was then permitted to give life to this statue so that it could speak. Then the statue of the beast commanded that anyone refusing to worship it must die. I really would like, if you have a paper Bible, go ahead and underline that about worship. Um, anyone refusing to worship it must die. Keep in mind it's about worship. Verse 16, he required everyone small and great, rich and poor, free and slave to be given a mark in the right hand or on the forehead and no one could buy or sell anything without that mark which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed here. Scripture says, let the one who with understanding, solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, his number is 666. Seven is the number of completion, perfection. Six is the number of man or humanity. So this is, what, basically what this is saying is during the great tribulation, there, you will not be able to purchase, you will not be able to transact business if, uh, unless you take the mark of the beast. And this is, this passage right here is why this question came up and why people are asking this question. Why would you be asking this question? Because we're talking about vaccine mandates, we're talking about mask mandates, vaccine passports, we're talking about all of those things. I'm not gonna complete that sentence right now because I wanna lay a little bit more foundation, but just think about those two things there, okay? Now, that being said, let's jump over to what Jesus says about this. Let's go to Mark chapter 13. And we're going to start in verse 32. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what Jesus says. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels of heaven or the son himself. Only the father knows. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard, stay alert. Now, anybody says they know when Jesus is coming, they don't know what they're talking about. If they say that they have the date, just go ahead and unsubscribe. I'm not into cancel culture, but cancel that, you know. Any, any of you, I was born in 1973, child of the 80s, so I was like 15 years old. This 
book came out maybe when I was 14. It was called 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Come Back in 1988. Anybody remember this book? How did that work? How in the world are you going to write a book on the Bible and just skip over what Jesus said? But he made some money. I think he did. I think he did all right on that financially. So what do we do if we don't know? Stay alert, right? Be on guard. The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his, each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do. And they told the gatekeeper to, uh, to watch for his return. You too, and I love how Jesus speaks in this language, because it's language I can understand. He's like, you know, if, if your parents, let me tell you really quickly, a lot of times Kelly and I'll go away, leave the kids at home. We don't tell them when we're going to come back. Even if we know when we're going to come back. You know why? Because if you tell them when, every kid, it's universal, it's like this, every kid, one minute left, boom, they're running around everywhere, get the house nice and clean, it's all perfect, right? We're saying, they're going to come in an hour at which you don't know. So be on guard, stay alert. He says, he says, you don't know the master of the household will return in the evening at midnight before dawn or at daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone, watch for him. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's hear what Paul says, verse 51 and verse 52. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed. I, I will tell you, hey, you may be healed. God, how many of you know God heals, right? My grandmother was healed of terminal cancer. They gave her three months to live and she was healed, completely healed, had another baby after that. Uh, she lived for another 42 years, but you know what happened to my healed grandmother? She still died. At some point, she still died. No matter what miracles God does in our life, all of us are going to die, except there will be some who will be alive when Jesus comes back. And, the, and Paul says, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. We will not all die, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. Pause for a second. Are we in the beginning stages of the mark of the beast? Listen to me. There is no beginning stage of it. I understand what the question is saying. It's a really, very good question, but let me just say something. There won't be a beginning stage. It will be, the Bible says, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Hey, my kid played the trumpet, and there was no warming up on the trumpet. It's when the trumpet blasts, it blasts. Boom, is there. By the time you heard it, it was too. By the time you heard the gunshot, it was too late. For those being shot, they may have never heard the gunshot, even though we all heard it. Let me tell you, when Jesus comes at that moment, that moment has already passed. There is no getting right with Jesus at, at that moment. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Aren't you thankful for that today? That God is going to come and get, her, get us. My father is in our family cemetery in Addison, Alabama. And let me tell you, there's some Johnsons and McCoys and Densons that are going to bust on up out of there. 
I, I don't know where I'll, I'll be buried. It might be there. I, I could see that. I could, I could see the same kind of flow as my father and his father and mother and grandparents and great-grandparents going way on back, going way on back. I, I could see that. I, I could see that for those Irish immigrants that came over here as prisoners dropped off in South Carolina and finding a place to farm. I, I could see that. I could see that happen. But let me tell you, there's no grave in Addison, Alabama or Mobile, Alabama or Coral Gables, Florida that can hold somebody regardless of the state of their physical decayed body that's going to stop that reunification moment when Jesus calls for his people. I'm so thankful for that. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16, I'm going to read a good bit here. For the, the Lord himself, like that, he will come down. Don't make me come down there. Oh, he's, he's going to come down. With the loud command and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. I, I like this part right here. This is a passage that I heard so many times. I get my, my cousin Larry McCoy played piano for Johnny Cash for years. And when he was finished, he went and wrote his own album to the entire book of Revelation and set it to slides. Had those big carousels, multiple car- and they would play and the slides would move. And he would sing all the way through this book. And man, I went to one of my cousin Larry's uh, crusades that he did. And then I couldn't stop dreaming about the rapture. And the day that I walked home from Dover Elementary School in the second grade, I came all the way home by Skidmore grocery store where I used to get beat up by the gooch every now and then, take my knee high, all that kind of stuff. I go back now, I'm bigger than him. I could whoop him, I know. But then he was working on me. I come home and I walked by the church in the second grade and the parsonage was next door and both cars were there and all doors were unlocked and my parents weren't gone and the convicting power of the Holy Spirit come on me and the word of God ran through my mind and I thought for sure I had been left. The rapture had come, my parents were gone and I was still there. That's bad news for those who are not in Christ. But for those who are in Christ Jesus, we don't have to look to the second coming of the Lord to be something to be afraid of. In fact, that's what I don't understand right now. Talking about the end times, people are worried and all wound up and tight and nervous. Why are we afraid? Why would we be afraid that Jesus, this is what we've been made for. This is what we're looking for. How many of you want to leave a mortgage payment behind? How many of you want to leave a hospital bed behind? Leave some suffering behind, some broken dreams behind. Hey, look, I'm hustling. I'm doing everything I can. I'm trying to build my life and build a church and build a family. And I'm excited about the college visits and I'm all excited about that. But man, I, you, I don't have to, I'd be glad to get out of here before my kids got in college. Some woke professor over there trying to indoctrinate and undo all the good work I've been trying to do for 18 years. I don't mind that. I'm glad to be here though. You know what? Honestly, I want to be here longer because there's people that need to know Jesus. And you know what? We need to work while it's still day because the night is coming. You know, Tanya, I want your neighbors to know Jesus. You know, you and Johnny got to go after Jesus like never before because the time is short. So Paul finishes 
this chapter here with these words that says, so therefore encourage one another with these words. I'm going to keep reading on down in chapter five here. I'm I'm running out of time, but I got to give this to you. He said, now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write to you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night when people are saying everything is peaceful and secure. Then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. And there'll be no escape. But you aren't dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief for you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on your guard, not asleep, like the others, stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk, but let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. He's saying, I'm not trying to trick you. I love you, you're my children, and I want good things for my children. So encourage each other's and other and build each other up just as you're already doing. Pathway Church, listen to me. You keep doing what you're doing. I don't need to remind you. As long as what you're doing honors the Lord. But when you're not honorable to the Lord and you're not honorable to your brothers and sisters, take that sin and lay it down before Jesus and go make things right with your brothers and your sisters. Make things right with Jesus. Jesus is returning for a holy church. Where did we lose sanctification? Where did we lose the holiness of God? Man, I I messed up in this thing. Um, I'm I'm struggling in this thing. Oh, don't worry, everybody sins. Don't say that. Don't, Don't say that. What you say is, that's okay, brother. Jesus loves you if you will take that to him and repent and confess. He wants to reconcile you back. Pathway Church We have a holy God and he has made us holy, but we have to walk in that and we have to receive that. Jesus describes this in Matthew chapter 25 in a parable. It's the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. This is what he says in verse one. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were aroused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, please give, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to Walmart and buy some for yourself. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch for you did not know the day or hour of my return. Truly a terrifying moment for the foolish, especially for those who know who the Lord is, 
but have chosen not to follow him and instead to follow something, someone else. But for those who have placed their trust in the Lord, what a wedding feast that will be. Pathway Church, repent and believe on Jesus and follow him because the Lord's return is soon. So let's get to the question. Is the vaccine the beginning stages of the mark of the beast? Listen, for somebody that interprets the scriptures and the second coming of Christ and the tribulation, like I do and like I believe that the Bible teaches that the rapture of the church will take place at the beginning of the great tribulation period or before the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, that before the Antichrist will be revealed You know, he may be here now, but he's not revealed. Nobody knows who he is. But before that moment, Jesus is coming. Dre, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. When that trumpet sounds, pathway, I've been preaching to you. If you don't know the Lord of this book, it's not my fault. Look, I've aggravated some people preaching. And you know what? I don't take it personal. I mean, it's hard because I do want people to like me. Every pastor does. But you know, John, what you got to do sometimes, sometimes you just got to stiffen those knees and straighten your backbone, open the word of God, look at people in the face that you love and then tell them the truth. You got to do that because if I don't do that and you miss Jesus, it's my fault. But if I do that and you have the word of God and you don't follow Jesus, then it's your fault. And you know, I want you, Evis, I want you to go with me. Guys, I want you to go with me. I know, Evis, you want everybody in this room to go, amen? You want everybody to go. But listen, if it comes to choosing Jesus, going with him or staying with you, baby, peace, out. I'm, I'm gone. I'm gone. I love you. I ain't staying here. So I'm encouraged. Regarding the vaccine, God isn't sadistic. He's not, he's not trying to trick you. He's not, listen, he's been calling you to altars to repent and he's not going to try and trick you, um, sneak one in, stealth, like we're going to trip and accidentally deny Jesus Christ. That's not, that's not how, it's more like when an altar call is given, the Holy Spirit is working on your life and then you don't come and you choose to stay in your sin, that it's more like that. It's more like that. And these are not just my words. Actually, let's go back to Revelation chapter 13 and verse 15. He was then permitted to give life to the, and this is, this is from the beast, not from, even from Jesus. This is coming from the beast. He was then permitted to give life to this statue so that it could speak. Then the statue of the beast commanded that anyone refusing to worship it must die. Listen, this isn't about medicine this is about worship. Do you understand what I'm saying? This isn't, this isn't like, oh, I wore the wrong name brand and now I've fallen out of favor with Jesus. This is about honoring Christ or disavowing Christ. This is about following Jesus or following something else. This isn't about worshiping God over health or over sickness. It's, it's about choosing to worship God over worshiping the God of this age. I'll come back to that in a minute because I I need to treat that just a little bit more. But I want you to hear more from me and and more importantly from the scriptures. Is the vaccine the mark of the beast? 
If the vaccine is the mark of the beast, I have a total misunderstanding of the scriptures. I have a total misunderstanding of the nature of God. And think about yourself as a father or a mother. How many fathers or mothers are in the room here right now? Would you really invest your entire life, your resources, your influence, in the case of God the Father, his own son, so that you would follow him, so that you would thrive, so that you would come up, only so that you would be tricked in the last moment? Trick. I'm talking about trick. I'm not talking about you. You can, you can disavow God. You can disavow the Father. But I'm talking, would he try and slide one in on you? I, I don't see that. Is there a mark of the beast? Yes. If we take the mark of the beast, will we disavow God? Will we pledge our allegiance to the Antichrist, the Antichrist spirit? Will, will we miss heaven? Yes, absolutely. If you deny God among men, then God, Jesus, will deny you, disavow you in front of his father. This is what the Bible says. I'm not saying that this is a fable. I'm just saying, I don't think that the, the, this vaccine, it may be some other vaccine, but I don't think that this vaccine is. I'm, I'm thinking here, we, this is a concern. We want to deal with this, but I have a greater concern. The greater concern is we're going squirrel. We're looking over here, right? Some shiny object to talk about. We should talk about it. We should study it. But how many people that are wondering right now about all of these questions, how many people in this world right now are already functioning in an antichrist spirit and are disavowing God with our life today? I, I want you to go and hear, hear what Paul says, this greater concern. And let me just ask this. Why would we suddenly be faithful in the end times if we're not faithful in the present times? Listen to what Paul says. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God. Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin or now this is where everybody, people are gonna find something to get a problem with right here. Take it up with Jesus. Okay, I didn't write this. I didn't write this. I'm never going back to church there again. All right. Don't let the Lord, the door hit you where the good Lord split you. That's all I'm gonna say, right? That's fine. Come on back though because there's salvation in this room. There's healing in this room. There's healing in this book. There's healing in this man. There's truth in it. You don't like it, son. You can't handle the truth, right? That's what uh, Nicholson said, I think. Saint Nicholson. Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Whoa, 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 pastor, that's, that's not, that's not a politically correct. We're not talking about politically correctness. We're talking about salvation. Now listen to me. There's nothing wrong with being tempted by any one of these things on this list. In fact, the Bible says that in every way that it was common to man, Christ was tempted, yet he was without sin. That's why I say be killing sin or kin will, uh, sin will be killing you, right? Fight temptation, flee, actually fight the devil, resist the devil, but flee from temptation is what the Bible said. I can't help it that I came out of my mama with certain temptations. I can't help that. 
What I can help is what I do with those temptations. Pastor, you don't understand. I was born like this. We were all born like this. Every single one of us was born. Little babies, toddlers, you look in the nursery room and they're beating each other up with Tonka trucks and they're stealing stuff. They're all a bunch of crooks on day one, which is why we need Jesus. Amen? Amen. Now don't look down your... Pull your spectacles down. Look down your nose at all these other people that don't live up to it like this because Paul says, some of you were once like that. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. The greatest threat to believers in 2021 isn't the particulars of how the tribulation will go down, the mark of the beast will go down. The greatest threat is are we gonna honor Jesus with our life? And listen, if we, we don't have to know everything, but if we will honor Jesus with our life, if we will keep the main business, the main business, God will take care of everything else. The greatest threat is will you have other gods before the Lord God? You know, if you won't honor the Lord in your dating relationship, if you won't honor the Lord when you're filing your taxes, if you won't honor the Lord in how you're talking about your neighbor, if you won't honor the Lord in these areas now, how will you make it then? If you can't stand for Jesus now, when your church is open, when the music is good, before, all the pa- before most of the pastors are raptured out of this place, right? Because we... I'm not going to name them, but we're working on, on them here on the staff, you know, and half our small group leaders, you know, no, I'm, I'm kidding. But, you know, let me, let me just tell you, there's going to be a lot of godly people. Deborah Sammons, you're going to go and meet the Lord in the air, aren't you? What are you going to do when our prayer warriors are gone out of the church? How are you going to roll up then? Follow Jesus. Here's my commitment my opinion about the vaccine, the mandates, all of these things. And here's our posture on this virus, everything. Our, the, the virus is real. It's out there. It's doing virusy things to people who are doing peopley things. And you know what? We can't just go away. It's not a single variable decision. If our whole goal was to just always stay healthy, every one of you suckers would be in there on a treadmill being a vegetarian bubble wrap, never going anywhere. But we don't. We get in cars. Some of y'all ate at Whataburger last night, maybe even this morning. You know, we're putting all kinds of Coca-Cola's, all kinds of stuff into our life. We're making choices. We're mo- Listen, I'm moving on long the best that I possibly can, right? We, we, we're doing that. I've had the virus. My family has had this virus. I'm praying for people that are battling it right now. It, it, it's a horrible thing. And And we know people that are impacted and we want to do the best that we can in this moment. But let me tell you, there is not going to be a zero COVID world. There's going to be seasonal COVID, like there's seasonal flu. And you know, it won't impact me as a senior adult like it impacted our senior adults when it first came in. But because by the time I become a senior adult, which is a long time away, disregard the gray in my beard, but a long time away, I will have antibodies and it won't be the first time I've interacted with it and it'll diffuse over time. And it's just going to do this kind of thing. We don't take this thing lightly. I want you just to think what we've done. We, we delivered medication prescriptions to our senior adults throughout this thing. We delivered a million, over a million pounds of groceries right into the trunks of people's cars. We catered meals to every single hospital in Mobile. We've, we've done all, we have backpacks, we've, 
we've navigated pastoral care by phone and, and birthday, drive-by birthdays. We did everything that we knew to do. And you know what? You know, it felt wonderful to get the virus out of the way for me because you know what I was able to do? Then I was able to go and visit people, my friends, people in our church that have been in a nursing home that hadn't seen a friend or a family member for a year. One of the most emotional things that I've watched our pastors go through that. We've all, all of us have gone down and we've, we've worked through all that stuff. And remember when everything was shut down, we got out, I started doing Facebook lives and selfies and all that stuff in front of our businesses. And I was encouraging you to go buy gift cards so that we could keep the small business owners who have sponsored our little leagues open and feeding their family until they, until the, everything opened back. Remember, don't you, I feel like we've done everything. Remember when this thing first started, we walked everybody in, rows were like 10 feet apart. No, it's just one long row and we sat from the front to the back and then we dismissed back to front and out that way and the next crowd came in this way. It was very impersonal. It was a difficult time. I cried like a baby when we sang for the first time. Two of my kids say they've never seen me cry before. I, I put a puddle of tears right there. This thing is stolen time, peace of mind, lives, health, stress, freedom, all kinds of things from people all over the world. We've taken it seriously. We're doing the very best that we can. Here's my commitment. There have been people that have suggested actually calling out church leaders publicly, saying that the church shouldn't sing, that we shouldn't sing. Let me tell you, I am not gonna let the rocks cry out. We will sing, we will shout, we will lift up a joyful noise. We'll be as smart as we can, but until I have one ounce of breath in me, I'm gonna bless the Lord. I'm gonna bless him. Let's be smart, do what you know to do. If you're not safe, if you're, we have online church, we've invested a lot of money in this stuff to take care of people. Do all of these things. We were shut down from like March 15th until the, till the beginning of May. I think, you know, it, it felt like the right thing to do at that time and we were down in it. We say we're for God in our city and we went out and took our lumps like everybody else. But let me tell you this, this is another thing, another commitment to you. I will never shut this church down again. I will never shut it down again. As it is, and listen, I grew up in Hurricane Alley, as it is. Hey, pastor, there's a hurricane coming, what should we do? Well, just wait a little bit, just wait a little bit. Everybody, all the churches in Mobile, what pathway, what are y'all gonna do? Well, really what I'm gonna do is, if you don't feel safe, don't come to church. That's already my posture in the first place. But you know what, I just feel a little bit more steeled in my resolve now, you know? I may be the only one here preaching, and my family may be the only ones there, and you know, I'm not saying this to get anybody in. What we've said from the beginning is find the place you need. I want everybody to be safe, but listen, we are going to sing, we are going to preach, and we are going to gather. We're gonna do it. Hebrews chapter 10, the Bible says, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled with an, uh, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promise. He is faithful that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke one another unto love, uh, unto love and to do good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, 
but exhorting one another, not less, but so much more as ye see the day approaching. Not only do I feel this way today because of what all we've gone through, but you know, I have brothers and sisters in Afghanistan today that the Taliban is moving in and there are people gathering up, hold up in homes and they're worshiping. And we've watched in Cambodia where we are as there are threats against the church and my friends have had churches that are shut down. But let me tell you, you can't shut the church. You can't close the church. The Bible says not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. Not a virus, not an economy, not a hurricane. Let God be God and let the church be the church. I love you. I love you with everything that I have. I told you on day one, you're my people and I'm your people. And we are united together in Christ Jesus. And he is at work. So wherever you are today, you may be in the hospital today. You may be out of a job today. You may be transferred overseas today, but let me tell you, there is a God in heaven that loves his people and he is not finished with us. He has work for us to do in this community and I'm so thankful for that. Can we just bless the Lord one time here really good? We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us give. We'll see you next week.